Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty with questions, comments, concerns about the outdoors or your house plants or whatever it happens to be. So, and Alex will be answering the phone, and he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. He doesn't need to know what you're calling about or anything else. He really doesn't care. I can't believe that. <laughs> and this morning, there was frost on car windshields and stuff like that. Was there frost out in the valleys in that rural area that and you live? Actually, where I, I walked out, and it looked like it, but it was just wet. It oh. hadn't had a chance to freeze on there yet, so oh. I, I got out just in time. <laughs> but what a beautiful... And, you know, we had the, the, the uh, super moon the other day. Right. Which was gorgeous. The flower moon. Yeah. Well, this morning, I looked up, and it's like a three-quarters moon, and it still looked huge. It's surprising. Which that makes sense. From, you yeah, know, right. That it went from full just a few days ago to three quarters already. Yeah, so, but it was beautiful this right. morning. It was strikingly huge. Yeah. And it was nice that it was a clear night, too, to get mm-hmm. to see it rise and everything else. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Well, perfect. Yeah. And also, Orioles? We have Orioles at the house now. Wow. Yeah, last couple of years, we've had like one come down. And it, it stays a day or two, and that's it, you know? Right. So this time we had the, we got a feeder. And we put some stuff in it, put it orange out there. And their their food is just like hummingbird food, just a little lighter. It's, oh, really? Hummingbird food is four to one. We're making the uh, Oriole food five to one. Wow. Sugar water, water sugar. Right. And uh, so we got it out there, put a half an orange out there, and we now have five. Wow. We have three males and two adult, uh, females so far. Gosh, they're beautiful. I didn't just know they beautiful. were drinkers. Yeah. As so opposed to cedars. Exactly. Yeah, they'll they'll eat the orange and then they'll drink, and it's almost like a hummingbird feeder. It's a little different, of course. It's orange. Sure. And uh, yeah, so now we've and they're just beautiful. Sounds great. So it's cool. Yeah, it's been fun. All right, sounds perfect. Thanks, Brian. And folks, Saturday morning we get together and we have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your landscape, your backyard, your front yard. Are your kids having fun out there in those landscapes? Are they even just picking up sweet gumballs, as horrible as that is? Everybody dreads it, but still, it gives you something to do in the outdoors. And the taste of the tropics, your houseplants, potting mixes, soil improvements, when you should be pruning, when you shouldn't be, bugs, diseases, and the information that I share with you hopefully will help you make your decision. But your thoughts, 
And how you go about it is strictly up to you, final judgment. And uh, this is your show, by the way, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, your car, the Internet, or wherever you happen to be listening. And another important player, as I said before a few minutes ago, Alex, he's producing, and he answers the phone. So first name and where you're calling from, that is it. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like. And uh, that's a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, that has my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And today, after the show, I'm headed out towards Wentzville. Well, actually into Wentzville and then back into Chesterfield on my way towards home. And, uh, well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 3344. Statue of Ulysses S. Grant, sword in hand and binoculars in his other hand. Wow. Stands above a triangular patch of yellow and orange marigolds, backdrop by 10 boxwood. And further back is a Norway spruce. And then on the right hand side is a nicely branched maple tree. Lawn fills the space. This is a very green lawn. It's a combination of bladed and broadleaf plants. So it's kind of a la my father's idea about lawn. If it's green, it's good. And uh, a trio of budded viburnums occupy a triangular mulch bed. A pair of white pines set on opposite sides of a large walkway plaza. And pine cones sort of uh, have fallen, and uh, there's some crepe myrtles that are just showing some new growth right at ground level right now. Robins and squirrels are bouncing all over the place. And as I walk back towards my car, uh, some squirrels came flying out of a a dump. No, it wasn't a dumpster. It was a trash can. But I guess they had found a sandwich or something out there, and they thought I was going to get them or something, and they dropped their sandwich. And I said, I don't want your sandwich. You can have it. It's all yours. It's completely fine. And uh, above this inference is uh, the common seal of the city of St. Louis. And that hangs on a wrought iron gates, which this entrance is closed. And the 1200 is the number above the door, and that's 1200 Market. So this is City Hall, and it's a classic French architecture. And a little bit further west along the walkway, there's a statue, speaking of French, of Pierre Laclede, founder of St. Louis in 1764. And he's backdropped by an oak tree and surrounded by daylilies and a lawn. And probably some bed space is going to be probably planted uh, real soon with some annuals. There's picnic tables and benches as well. The sun was rising and making the temperatures rise with it. So as it was just uh, kind of an unusually cool mid-May morning. And to everyone, guess what? Mother's Day Eve today, so happy Mother's Day tomorrow, but it's the eve today. So to all the mothers out there, enjoy being a mother, because if it wasn't for you, none of us would have been here. So anyway, Mike Miller, KM Walsh Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're going to start off the day with Donna. Hi, Donna. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a, 
Hi. I have a young dogwood tree, and the lower branches look dead, and it has purple spots on the leaves. Ooh. Well, that's not the purple spots I wouldn't be overly concerned with. Uh, if the lower branches have not pushed out any kind of growth at all, just cut those off. Okay. Do you think I'm watering too much or too little? or what Days, do you think? Well, dogwoods do not like a heck of a lot of water. So if you've been watering, how long has it been in the ground? About a year. And how long, how much are you watering? Um, in the summertime last summer, I watered it quite a bit while it was getting started. Uh, initially with the first month or so, you can water every couple days. But after that, you just let the rain take care of it, unless we have an extended drought period. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, the purple spots on the leaves, who knows what that might be. It doesn't sound like fungus, though. So uh, let's go now from Donna's over to Steve's house. Hi, Steve. Hey, good morning, Mike. This Hi. is Steve Katsinas, your neighbor or your old neighbor in Soulard. Oh, yeah. How are hey, you? so I've got a really unusual thing that has happened uh, this year, and you probably remember my front and backyard behind the house. And, you know, I've got um, – I have peony bushes planted um, in fact, I've had about a dozen of them that I interspersed throughout the entire landscape. And um, none of my peonies sprouted this year. Ooh. They, um, I mean, like, and these were very old bushes, mature bushes that grew, that were prolific and bloomed tremendously every year. And, you know, when we moved from the house um, next door, over i moved them from over there and you know they were just really well established and they did not show not one single one of them this year and it really perplexed me because um i did pretty much everything that i always do in the spring um and which was you know usually um and i did i did that this year around march mid-march i go out to kirkwood uh, materials and I get a yard of leaf and twig compost and I just spread that out over the um, gardening beds just kind of improve everything year after year right and I put down a layer of frame and everything else in my yard has sprouted you know all the perennials all the everything all the grasses everything has come back but these dozen peony bushes yeah it's all of really yeah. About it. yeah, if all of them are doing the same thing, my guess is you probably planted them too low. So in okay. other words, what I do is I'd pull the mulch back and I just, you know, gently, you know, probably where they are, at least close proximity, and then start pulling, yep. a so- pulling the soil back just gently and see if you can see any kind of growth at all coming. But I think just too deep and then, you know, the mulch on top of it has just more or less suffocated them. But if all 12 are doing the exact same thing, that says it has to be kind of the routine that you used when you installed them. Okay. So, but you know, we've been in this house for like 15 years now. Right. They've, they've grown really well every year. So it just kind of, it's kind of weird that, you know, just all of a sudden this year they just didn't do anything. Right, because, I mean, I see peonies that are in full flower right now. So, and yeah, you, absolutely. I mean, so I'm just guessing that for whatever reason they sank or something happened to them and uh, the mulch on top of them has just buried them too deep. Okay, because it's usually about, I usually never put down more than uh, about an inch of mulch because it's, 
you know, I'm just kind of looking to do a little bit of weed prevention. And right. And keep ca- improving the soil. Right. And you know, year after year. So yep. that's and about, the, you know, if they're all doing, if it would have been a few, it would have been a different circumstance. But for all of them to be doing the very same thing. And uh-huh. I hope, you know, I hope it's not related to, uh, you know, something, you know, in your compost or mulch or whatever you put down and that. But I would say go out there and pull that back and, and gently pull the soil away and see if you can see any kind of growth at all on any of them. Okay. Well, and um, and if they, yeah, I was going to say because this is the uh, this is just the weirdest thing. So yeah. I can um, I have pulled the mulch back already. Okay. Because uh, I was thinking, well, the sun if the sun warmed them up, they might start coming up, and you know I may miss the blooms this year, but at least the things would come back. Right. I mean, there are noticeable holes in my landscaping right now and all my <laughs> perennial beds because of where these things always sit. Right. So. All right. So if you think that um, they, because there's there's no like um, disease or something that attacks um, peonies besides just like fungus. And, right. And um, yeah, foliar type paper. things. But uh, for the most part, if there was you know related to a disease circumstance, it wouldn't wipe out all twelve at once. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna you know keep. Um, if I would lift them up, wow, that would be really crazy. Okay, so how um, deep do they need? Does the crown need to be? Basically, about uh, one to two inches is all it needs. You know, any deeper than that, it's you know, it could just be a period of time with you know, even just putting the amount of mulch down that you have over the years that it decomposes and it's elevated the soil too deep in the eyes. You know, where the new growth, you know, where the foliage comes out, uh, yeah. it's just too deep. Okay. Okay. I'll um, see if I can lift them and see if that maybe makes a difference. All right. And realize that, you know, when you start to lift them and you pull them up out of the ground, the root systems are going to be very brittle like sticks. So leave them just sit, uh, you know, for a couple hours above ground or a day above ground, and then the root systems will get more supple, and then I'll make it so when you reinstall them that you don't break a lot of the root system apart. Got it. Okay. All right. Okay, we'll give it a whirl. Great. Good luck, Steve. Nice to talk to you. Okay. Nice. Good to talk to you, too. Bye-bye. And now let's go down to Steelville and go into Glenn's yard. Hi, Glenn. Yeah, I've got a beautiful stand of uh, nut grass in my garden. What can I do to get rid of that stuff? <laughs> Basically, uh, you got to go after use an herbicide specifically formulated to get rid of nut sedge, so like sedge ender or something like that. Nothing else was really going to work. So you just got to, and the earlier you start applying it, the better it is because later in the season, virtually all plants, but especially nutgrass, forms a waxy cuticle on the surface. And then consequently, the absorption of the herbicide is even going to be less. So you got to get a, an herbicide specifically for, you know, killing nutgrass, nut sedge, or whatever you want to call it, and uh, probably apply it. It's going to take. Uh, a couple times application this year, and it's probably going to take a couple years to finally eradicate the whole colony if you've got a big stand of it. Will that affect my vegetables at all? No. It strictly targets that one thing. Okay. I mean, obviously, be careful, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, put you know, get your sprayer down. Step on the nutgrass a little bit so you can open up some wounds, then spray right on top of it. 
you know, so you don't get, you know, you don't have to worry about it. But it really only get, go, it only impacts, you know, nut sedge. That's why it specifically says sedge ender or whatever product that you get. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Good luck. Yeah, that's a mean, mean weed. And once you get it, it is difficult to get rid of. Uh, let's see. Where let's go over to Dave's yard now. Hi, Dave. Yeah, thanks for your service. Uh, got a couple of questions. First is uh, tulips. Uh, when is the best time to trim them back after they've lost their bloom uh, to give them the best chance to come back the next year? Basically, uh, then- you can wait until the you know the leaves are. I mean, they're probably turning reddish now, and as soon as they start to grow kind of brownish, then you can cut them off. And just come off at ground level? Yeah, because they've stopped making any kind of food, and that's why they're just coloring. Okay, and what's the chances of them coming back then the next year? Uh, it's going to be iffy. The tulips have been over-hybridized, so if they're recent purchases, uh, maybe you're going to get one more year out of them, and then after that, uh, it's going to be really iffy. Okay, so don't expect more than two years. Then. Right. Okay. And then second question is pine needles that have been dropped over the course of the fall that are laying in landscape areas. Um, should those be swept up, raked up? Uh, it just depends upon how meticulous you are. Uh, it doesn't, uh, I mean, underneath the pine tree where the needles are dropping, it's going to be very difficult to grow anything anyway. So the right. pine needles you could just have as a, more or less a natural mulch you know, that have fall, has fallen out of the tree. So it's, uh, you don't have to really clean them up. It's not going to make that much difference underneath this, you know, this tree. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. You know, so save yourself the work. And now let's go to Jackie's. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Am I on? As far as I know. <clears throat> okay. I didn't hear you. Oh. Um, I have a cherry tree, a Kwanzaa cherry tree that I had planted last spring mm-hmm. uh, to replace one that had to be cut down. Um, and this year it did not bloom. Is there any re- It's about 12 feet tall now, and it's bushing out nicely, but there were no blossoms on it this year. Is so that natural? you said you planted it last year? Yeah, last spring. So that might be just a factor of it just didn't have the energy, the well-established root system. And probably it's to, if, there's, if it's leafing out nicely, everything looks good, then it's probably good that it didn't flower because flowering can stress newly installed plant material and make it so uh, you know, it could be problems for the future. So it's oh. unfortunate you missed it this year, but uh, you should start having the flower buds set and then actually flowering for next year. Okay, okay, good. I'll, I'm, I was hoping because I love that flower on that tree. They're great. Yeah, they're just beautiful. And daffodil stalks, the green stuff, they're mm-hmm. still standing up. There's, of course, the daffodils are gone. Right. They're just barely starting to turn the tips brown or yellowish. I have to wait a little longer before I cut those. Well, off. you should, and at least until the you know, foliage starts discoloring. Okay. You know, if you don't, it's. I mean, it's. It may not have a real impact, but uh, it probably will have an impact. And with the daffodils versus the tulips. You know, if they're new installations, those bulbs still should give you about five or six or seven years of blooming and then before they start losing their bloom, let's say, ability or potential. Okay. I have some red, bright red tulips along my back fence, mm-hmm. and they have been coming back year after year after Right. They must be the old 
old-fashioned. That's exactly okay. right. You can drive through older neighborhoods, and you'll see tulips, and those are the ones that haven't been overly hybridized. Man, why did they do that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's called uh, too many people wanted tulips, and we got to make our fields have more tulips to, you know, to sell. And so it was money. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) It's commerce. Okay. Right. Well, thank you so much. Certainly. Okay, bye-bye. Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have a couple lines open, but right now let's go to Art's Yard. Hi, Art. Good good morning. Hi. Hi. I've got a question to ask you. It concerns a Japanese maple, mm-hmm. and I kind of waited a little long time before I decided I didn't like the way it looked. It has a five-inch diameter trunk, and a, and a branch is about one or two foot off the ground, and it's two and a half inches in diameter. Could I cut that off or just leave it go? Basically, uh, summertime is the best time to prune any of the maples because of fungus problems and sap flow and everything else. What you can do is cut it. If it's elongated, cut it off in sections and make the final cut. Just leave a, a stub of about a quarter inch or so. So okay, words, but cut it off in sections at different times? or No, 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 all at once. So all you're doing by cutting off in sections is so the weight of the branch doesn't tear the bark. Oh, okay. So you cut it one-third off, then the second third, and then the final cut, and make you start at the bottom, cut up a little bit, and then start, then start cutting from the top. That way you won't have any bark tearing on the trunk. Okay. So then it leaves an open an open deal. Should I do it? You think it'll close over or be yeah, just fine? That's or? What, if you leave that quarter inch, that exposes the cambium layer, and then slowly yes. but surely that will actually uh, take care of healing and making a scab. So there's nothing yes. you can do. Days of old, you know, the sealers and all that other stuff had lead in them. That was all yes. taken out by EPA. So anything you put on it could just be more problematic than good. Would you suggest doing this or would you just say live with it? It's up to you. I mean, it's an aesthetic okay, call, I so I mean, there's... I mean, if it's something like you wouldn't want to handle, you know, I mean, I'm saying that it's not, a, you know, it's not a good decision to do something like that. That is going to hurt the tree some other way. Well, the only thing it could do is if this is a major branch that has a lot of leaves. The leaves are what makes food, and so if you're okay. reducing the amount of, let's say food factory on this particular tree by a a large percentage, then it might be problematic for the overall health of the tree. But for the most part, that's not, you know, generally the case. Okay. Well, I waited a long time before I decided I didn't like it. It was in my way. So, (laughs) and, uh, you know, so I don't want to hurt it. I mean, it takes a long time to get one of those to grow that big. But Right. You won't hurt it. Just make sure you make, you know, good cuts and everything else. Okay. Then thank you. Certainly. My pleasure. And nope. now let's, let's go over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Yes, hi. Hi. Um, I have a question for you about nut sedge. I heard your – I can kill it. I have the equipment for it. I have a little hand sprayer, but it's in a vegetable garden, and the commander of the garden is an organic gardener. <laughs> she, she insists that if I do that, it's going to go down in the ground, and it's going to infect all of her plants. Now, right now, all, most of the plants are covered with buckets because we had a frost warning last night. Right. So 
I need you to tell me yes or no if I could spray real close and get those little nut sedges while they're growing without affecting the rest of the garden. It's, you know, she's listening, so, yeah, if, if she's a, let's say, I don't want to say an organic nut, but if she's really into it, then uh, tell her if you want to get rid of it, then you're going to have to hand pull it and do it early in the right. season. So the, um, that's the, the only nut, other the option. Then the nut doesn't come up, of course. <laughs> and, you know, especially if they're mature, larger plants, if they're still young and small, they may not have formed the nuts on the root system yet. Well, I tried the other day. Some of them pulled out and some of them just broke off. Ooh. So, yeah. yeah. So, so if spraying, you... spraying is a bad idea. Is it going to go into the ground and affect the plants or does it? Does it die at the top? Well, it pretty much deactivates when it hits the soil. It's really, I mean, most herbicides are focused on the plants. They just don't, you know, contaminate the ground around them. If you you don't follow exactly the rate of mixture and everything else and temperature-wise and all that other stuff, you could cause problems. But if you go strictly by the label, then you shouldn't have a problem. Okay, that's what I said, but I'll let her make the call. Now that she's heard you, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you my bill for uh, $5. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a deal. Yeah, so no, thank, it's, thank you. Have, I mean, these, these, these chemicals, these herbicides are formulated specifically for, you know, taking care of problems, and so these companies are very conscious. And you say, well, look at the Roundup thing, but those kind of things are exaggerated circumstances Worse, you know, and that's just beyond reality. It's not really beyond reality. I mean, it is reality, but uh, the people that were involved in those kind of things related to Roundup weren't doing the safety stuff related to what they should have been wearing and everything else. Everybody's very conscious of it now, but at that time, people weren't in a lot of the agricultural businesses were not following the rules of mask and, you know, goggles and wetsuits and, well, not wetsuits, but let's say gear. And so, anyway, let's go over to Jay's yard, and he lives in South St. Louis. Hi, Jay. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I have lantanas. I have New Guinea impatience. I have hybrid bit petunias. And I've got this potting mix ready to go. Um, can I plant all that stuff today? Sure. You shouldn't have okay. any problem at all. Now, the lantana needs to be a very hot, dry location, and you don't overwater it. Be very careful about watering that. And so just other than that, you can get them planted today. Okay. Now, my other question is, in, in the big pots where I'm going to plant, plant the lantana, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I have did from seed romaine lettuce, and some of that is coming up. Uh, and I want to put the lantana, if you will, in the middle of the pot. Right. Uh, will that work? Uh, basically, the lantana will probably cover the you know the romaine lettuce. I did the same thing. I put uh, romaine lettuce seed in with my daffodils, so it came up, and then in the daffodils, and so romaine lettuce is still there. The daffodils have finished flowering, and then I've slowly but surely started to clean out the pots, you know, to get my to get ready for the annuals. But uh, so you should, yeah, it'll be fine. It's not going to, I mean, lettuce is a cool season vegetable anyway. So when the weather starts yeah. getting warm, the lantana starts getting big, the lettuce is going to go away. Okay. Cause in five other pots, I have a very successful leaf lettuce crop <laughs> and I want to 
and I want to put the New Guinean patients in the middle of those. Same thing? Yeah, right. Exactly. So the lettuce is, you know, only got a couple more weeks before it starts, you know, heading downhill because it's going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. Right, right. Okay, that's what I needed. Thank you, sir. Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's go to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Uh, Good morning, Mike. Thank you. Got a crab apple tree. It's about seven inch diameter at the ground level trunk. The bark has started to split. It's split from the uh, ground up to the first branch, about three feet up. And it did this a couple months ago, and now it's uh, the gap is uh, several, oh, about an inch and a half wide. And I took a flexible wire and poke between the bark and the trunk and the bark is pulled back at least halfway around this tree now a couple weeks ago i had purple flowers beautiful tree it's been in the ground about eight years it's um it's around uh, another little apple tree and a little pear tree uh, those little ornamentals and uh apovite or whatever you call those green evergreen things is that tree doomed? If the bark is exfoliated from the trunk halfway around, it's definitely doomed. So What happened? Well, I mean, in an older one, it's a little difficult to determine, but it could be, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It, it could have just been, when this thing started, it wasn't really obvious. So some way it got some sunburn, sun scald on the trunk, if the, especially if that faces the west or the southwest, where the most intense sun is coming in, and just over time, then the, sort of the bark started, de, let's say, deteriorating. But it originally, probably the cause of it was, even though you don't normally think of older, let's say, trees, well-established plants, getting sun scald, but that's probably what it was. Yeah, it gets a, a good east sun till about noon, and then there's a little shade. So that one's gone. Now I got a couple other crab apples in the yard. Is is this something that that the others could? Uh, it, it's not a catching thing, right? No. If it it was, just happened. Yeah. If this was borers or something along that line, in the bottom two feet of the trunk, you'd see holes, several holes that were about the size of pencil leads. But usually that doesn't cause bark to split that distance. So that's why I think it's related to the you know the sun factor. Well, I'll be darned. Well, it was a pretty tree, and it's still, it's got green leaves on it, but I guess this is the last season for that. Well, you don't know. I, you don't necessarily have to take it out. Let it, you enjoy it as long as you possibly can. Is there anything I can do? Can I wrap that bark tight against the the, uh, the trunk to prevent it from uh, totally coming off? No, basically that would be something you'd do for your own benefit, not for the benefit of the tree. Okay. So psychologically, it would help you, but the tree is going to go, who cares? I mean, the bark's going to... Yeah. It's not going to make No, I thought if I could um, keep the the remaining third of the bark on the tree tight, it may live, but... No. No. (laughs) Okay. I'll enjoy it till it goes. Yeah, it may live anyway, but you're not going to be able to make that bark stick to the trunk. You just can't do that. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Right. Bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. 
Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and we're headed to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. Hi. Greetings from Soulard. Great. Uh, we have a Chinese fringe tree that's been in the ground uh, three to five years. Uh, last year, it didn't fringe really at all. This year, it's looking beautiful on one side, but... Uh, Half the tree has not started to bud or leaf out at all, Ooh. and of course, uh, no fringe. So right. The, uh, is this a sign of uh, worse things to come? Uh, it's a sign that has not done anything. Is it, you know, sort of backed up to a house, a garage, or something like that? Well, it's uh, the north side. It's next to a pergola that has uh, a rose bushes. Uh, growing across the top of it and uh, the south side is completely open and uh, that's the part that has uh, bloomed and fringed out right so my guess is it's probably related to exposure as much as anything so any part of it that really hasn't started to leaf out you could wait to, you know if you wanted to to see if it's going to do anything and then you know cut it you know if it doesn't then cut out all that whole side off uh, basically in the fall, or you can just go ahead and just, you know, leave it and see what happens. Okay. That's, I think that's uh, not the, uh, what the garden commanders and another <laughs> fellow said wanted to hear, but uh, <laughs> we'll uh, give that a try. Yeah, I mean, uh, are you fertilizing and everything else? This, I think the French tree wants to have a, you know, an acid-based fertilizer, so iron and sulfur, and if it's close to the pergola, is, you know, is there concrete close by and other things? Maybe the soil is too alkaline for it. Uh, that's a possibility, yes. So maybe get some iron sulfate, try to, you know, work that in and water that in to see if you can get the soil pH changed. If part of it that hasn't leafed out yet doesn't leaf out, that's not going to, the iron sulfate is not going to change that factor, but, uh, that's about all you're going to be able to do. Okay, well, thank you, Mike. Sure. Uh, appreciate your advice, as always. Well, my pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, and don't fertilize, because everybody thinks if plants are unhealthy, you feed them, and that's not what you want to do. You just want to get the soil sort of back in shape, if, it's, if that's what the problem is. Thanks, uh, Bob. Iron sulfide? Yeah, iron sulfur. Right, iron sulfur. Right. Or we'll give it a try. Right. Or sometimes they call it ferrous meaning iron sulfate. Right. So. Okay. All right. And now let's go to Sherry's yard. Hi, Sherry. Can you do a comment? Hi, Mike. Quick? Hi. I had um, a traumatic experience a few years ago. My roses got rose, Rosetta. Ooh. Or, yeah. And I had to remove about 20 rose bushes, and it was very sad. But um, I've moved since then, and our property have a ton of wild roses on it, though. Am I going to... I read somewhere that they can be a courier of this disease, and I was worried if it would happen again. It's basically the... Actually, rose rosette is transmitted by spider mites. So if the spider mites are feeding on a rose that actually has the rose rosette, then the wind blows them to another one that doesn't have it. That's how it's transmitted. So it's not going through the ground or anything else. It has to be transmitted by spider mites. Okay. So if I treat it with insect powder, will that 
help decrease the chances? You know, you, no, you you got to use a you know. Basically, you have to use something to kill mites. So a mite aside, regular insecticide does not kill mites. And it's got to be in a contact, you know, contact killer. So in other words, if you don't see any spider mites, just to spray for the sake of spraying, it's not going to really make much difference. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> but, yeah, the rose rosette is just devastating, as you found out. And, uh, you know, related to that, the arch ground had some roses, and they got a few of them, all of them got the rose rosette, so they just pulled them all out. So as soon as you start seeing it, you just have to be conscious. And, you know, the, again, it's spider mites that transmit it. It's not through root systems, not through anything else. So thanks, Sherry. And uh, if anybody else has any questions for the next hour, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And again, Happy Mother's Day Eve. That's today and then Mother's Day tomorrow. So Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, which I'll be giving shortly. But right now, you can call 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And thanks for sharing those pictures, Mr. Kelly. Yeah, I was showing Mike the pictures of our Orioles right. and our goldfinches, and then the the whimsical garden that my wife has uh, created in the backyard. Absolutely, it looks spectacular. It, I love it. I just I sit there every day and think, man, this is. Last night I'm sitting there and there's the sun is is starting to setting and the horse is out in the yard and the sun's shining on the horse and he's a beautiful old horse and just sitting there watching the birds and it's like this is, it's simple but it's just it's just great. Perfect. So I hope you all have a place where you have that too. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. We yeah. have a park right across the street, so that's nice. But uh, we don't we don't have Orioles in that park. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you got to be special, right? But I have a question for you. Uh-oh. Uh oh, Peacock. Yeah. So I, you didn't mention him. I didn't see any pictures. He's old school. Oh. He's been around. Yeah, oh. you know, you know, Henry. Beep, 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 yeah. Beep, beep, beep. He comes over and he beep, looks beep, at the beep, door, beep. going, "Come on, feed me, feed me." <laughs> he's loud. He leaves his souvenirs everywhere. Yeah, he's old school. I'm just curious. Do they fly? He doesn't. I don't know if if peacocks do or not. Yeah, I was just you know. Yeah, I was just th- I was thinking about that for some reason. Peacock came up into my head when I saw all those bird pictures. So uh-huh. I was just curious if you ever saw him fly over your house. No, he <laughs> he can fly enough to like get on the roof, right? But that he doesn't fly away. Uh, you know, yeah. Okay. Well, he's got it too good. <laughs> I mean, come on. The neighbors feed him. We feed him. Right. You know, he goes and shows off for the chickens. He's, he's, got a you know, he's not going Great anywhere. zip code. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, great. Well, thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, and thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, and all arounds. Annuals. Uh, everybody was... Worried, I heard some weather people saying, you know, if you've got plants outside, you should cover them with something, but don't cover them with plastic. It really wasn't. If you live in an area where it's really cool and you'd already put out some annuals, 
you know, whether it be begonias, whether it be marigolds or whatever it happens to be, most of them are going to be able to handle that kind of situation. Newly germinated seed, that would be where the, you know, the problems, you know, problems might come in. But your bulbs, your daffodils and tulips, we're almost getting to the time when the foliage should be cut off and, uh, uh, edibles, your cool season vegetables, and now your warm season vegetables, uh, tomatoes and all that other stuff. Ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I was at a house the other day and they had a water garden. It was nice, but it was filled with debris and they were, you know, they were wondering they're not seeing the goldfish that was in their water garden. And what happens if you get a lot of debris, leaf debris falling that have blown into your water feature where you have fish, that could become toxic and actually kill your fish. And I'll share my thoughts, but remember my answers, opinions, and comments is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Again, Alex is across the big board, and he wants your first name and where you're calling from, that's all. He doesn't need to know what you're calling about or anything else. During the weekend, on weekends, I do walk and talks, which is a consultation where I come to your home and help problem solve, whether it's aesthetic or whatever it happens to be. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, on the homepage. Email address and phone numbers right there where you can contact me. As I said in the first hour after the show today, headed to Winsville and then back into Ch- you know Chesterfield. And so it should be some fun. Get to, I get to see some great yards and to get to meet some wonderful people. That's a nice thing. People that are into the outdoors are just great people. So I'm lucky enough to be able to spend some time with them. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Again, to all the mothers, tip of the trial goes out to you. <laughs> My mother passed away several years ago. Both my parents are no longer around. But, uh, you know, I was not exactly a great kid. I was kind of a little bit stubborn about lots of different things. So my mother put up with, a, and my father, too, put up with a lot of stuff from, you know, from me as a result of that. I have three other siblings, too. But uh, I was the oldest and by far the worst. And uh, anyway, also, tip of the trial goes out to all the Mowing companies, landscape construction, tree services, and all that other stuff. I mean, these guys are out there working, and I mean, they're really making. And then you, in your own home, your own home's landscape, all the work that you're doing to make this city and, you know, the experience just that much better for all of us. And then sharing it, you know, getting your kids, uh, Tracy's sister, Lori, she was talking, she sent me an email about how, her, one of her grandchildren loves in the outdoors now. He's asked, she's teaching him about birds. She's teaching him about plants. And, uh, she had some butterweed that was growing. And her, you know, her grandson really liked to see this butterweed as a bright yellow. And it was just perfect. It's probably about the same height as what he is. So, I mean, just the outdoors is fantastic. So everybody that contributes to making our outdoor Look, you know, city parks and everything else look that much better. I greatly appreciate it. So let's take a couple calls before we take a break. Let's go to Doug's yard, and Doug lives in Springfield, Illinois. Hi, Doug. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Good, good. My problem is I've got a lot of clover that's taking over my yard, and uh, if, if it helps, I, the only thing I've done to the yard this year is the crabgrass, and I plan to do the Scots 
four treatments to try that this year. The yard's not in bad shape, but the clover is really starting to take over. Didn't know what your advice would be. Uh, do you just hate the clover? Well, it's just gonna it's just gonna take over the yard. Right. I'd prefer not to have it. <laughs> so you want a yeah. traditional type lawn, in other words. Yes, yeah, yes, it's, yes. I mean, unless you're just opposed to it, the th- the thing I find most effective as far as co- clover control, now there is sort of an upgraded Weed Be Gone, you know, by Scott's. You could take a look at right. that. There's one that says specifically it will kill clover. You could try that, or the other one would be the traditional type Roundup. Oh, okay, just Roundup. Wow. Right. Yeah. So, okay, well, that's that. that Oh, I had. I, I just it just looks it just gets bigger every year. Oh, absolutely. It's I mean, it's going to keep going, in, and it's going to take several years to get rid of it. To be honest with you, you're not going to get it a, even with a single application or multiple applications. You know, this year. So just understand right. that it's going to be a long, involved process, just like it was to get a big colony of it established. I've got you. Okay. Well, I get, I'll call that good news, not good news. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you for your show. Sure. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Now let's go from Doug's yard over to Peggy's. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Peggy. I mean, <laughs> I've been waiting, so I'm fine. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you for your show. I really appreciate it. I have two questions. The first one is I have a first one is I have a knockout rose. It's um, in a little sloped area, right near my not too far from my driveway, which is concrete. And it's blooming all over. I mean, getting little buds on it. Mm-hmm. And is it? Should I be trimming that to make it more um, beautiful when it comes? Because I don't want it to go wild. I've had it for a while. Basically, pruning. Wait until you get the you know this first flush. Then you can prune it at that time and use rose food. But it's going to get big. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So just wait and trim it. After it finishes flowering. Yeah, the first flowering, then prune it back at that time. Okay. And the other one, I heard somebody on your show say one time I have a um, um, burning bush, and it's it's leaning against the house. And uh, this person was saying, and you agreed, that wait until September to trim it. Well, yeah, I mean, just so it doesn't look so ugly, because basically all the leaves have been pushed out. So now if you prune it, the chances of it pushing out some new leaves are going to be minimal. And mm-hmm. what happens as a result of that, then you see the ends of these sticks all summer long. Yeah. Okay, would you... Uh, <clears throat> now, I've had it for several years. I'm going to say maybe 15 years. Mm. Oh, it's gotten a good size. Right. Should I trim it around uh, maybe halfway? No, I wouldn't cut it back that much because there probably won't be any buds left on the stems that remain that are going to mm-hmm. be able, that are still functional. So probably if you're going to want to reduce the overall size of it, probably 10 to 15% every year for a couple years in a row. Oh, okay, that's good. All right, well, thank you so much for the information. I really appreciate your show. Sure. Now, God bless all mothers. I'm a mother and a grandmother. All right, great. <laughs> There's a lot of work going on over the years. <laughs> they're all good kids. I am so blessed. Well, and great. Thanks again for your program. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, here's some breaking news. Um, Mr. Kelly, I'm going to take over for you. Um, I saw this on the Internet yesterday. And if you know the rock group Queen, We Are the Champions of the World, 
And uh, apparently the lead guitarist of Queen, uh, actually, he was doing some gardening and he strained some of his muscles (laughs) in his lower back. (laughs) So here, I didn't even know Queen did gardening. Lead guitarist does it and he strains his uh, anal muscles. So, whoa. So be careful out there. Don't strain yourself when you're going to do your gardening. Let's go now to Carol's Yard. Hi, Carol. Hi, Mike. Hi. This is Carol. And I have a peony bush, a single-flower peony bush in my backyard mm-hmm. that we moved from my in-law's house up on the other side of Troy about 40 years ago. And now I want to separate it and give it to my kids so that we kind of keep passing this down. And I want to know what is the best time of the year to do this, right after it flowers or in the spring when it comes up? I would probably do it in the fall, like in you know September or so, when the foliage starts is starting to decline. That way, you're going to know how big it is. Dig up the whole clump, and like I told the guy related to the peonies uh, earlier in the first hour, uh, let it sit above the ground. The whole thing, you know, as if you can get the whole thing up, or you can cut it out in pie wedges, but let it let the root system sit above the ground for a day or two because right when you first dig it up, the root systems are very brittle. They'll get supple if once they're up out of the ground and be, you know, become exposed. So dig it up and let it all sit out for a day or two, and then actually go through the big chopping. It. Yeah, making the pie, you know, cutting pie wedges out of it, and making okay. sure, yeah, make sure you got root system and stems coming up, you know, with each one. Okay, so do it in the fall after. The flowers have all gone away. Yeah, the flowers will be done way before that. But just when the foliage starts going downhill, and then have your kids, you know, have a location, soil prepared. So as soon as you cut it up into pieces and they can take it and get it and, you know, have them planted sometime during the month of September. The ground is really warm. That helps encourage the root system growth. And when you give, you know, when you cut it up into wedges, cut all the leaves off of it and everything. So... And tell them don't plant it too deep. You only want the top of the root ball, which is the crown, uh, about an inch to, or inch one to two inches below the surface. Closer to one is better than two, but one to two inches. If they okay, plant it too, you. yeah. If they plant it too deep, then it's going to mess up the flowering cycle. All right, it's just been beautiful, and every year it just gets you know prettier and prettier. It's a deep reddish purple color with that bright yellow center, and. You know, they're striking. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate all your help. Sure. My pleasure. And now Carol says goodbye and Diane says hello. Hi, Diane. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hello. I have a crepe myrtle that has um, sent out several shoots on it last year. And so I assume I can transplant those. And if so, is this a good time to do it? And is there anything special I need to do in the process of (laughs) You know, actually, sure you have all the roots. Yeah, dividing a you know crepe myrtle is not going to be 100 percent successful. You can give it a try if you want to, but if you you know if, so, in other words, you're going to chop from the mother plant where this let's say side shoots coming out. You know, and I'm assuming there's a couple inches of soil there, just so there's an adequate amount of root system on it. Because a lot of times it's you know it's not. It's still getting its let's say its food from the root system from the mother plant, even though this side growth has come out. So just be cautious that uh, when you dig it up, after you chop it, that there is actually roots on that, you know, the part that you've dug up. If there's not roots on that, then it's not going to work. 
And is it a matter of time, like the fact that it was that it, some of them, a lot of them, came up last year? Yeah, it's going to be like probably it, a couple of years for them to get you know, us, um, you know, established enough. So if you want to do it, you know, that's great. But uh, you know, they're not that expensive. People like to pass right. you know batons on to family members because of historian historic type things and things along that line. But just in general, it's not really all that easy to do. To do. Okay. 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 Well, I thought I would check. Yeah. I mean, you. Can, I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. It's just going to be, you know, it could be disappointing. You could be successful and you could call back in two years saying, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, no. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for the info. I enjoy your show. Sure. Well, thank you. And now let's go into Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Hello, Mike. I tell you what my problem is. I have a seedless hawthorn. I've been in the ground for about nine years. Last year, I noticed one side of it. I wasn't getting the leaf production, the leaf production that I thought, but I let it go. This year, uh, technically almost 60% of uh, the tree is dead. Ooh. No leaves whatsoever. So I've checked with a couple of garden centers, uh, people that I trust around here, and they said I must have a root problem, uh, something in the roots. Um, but I've decided to go ahead and take it out. Um, so my question is, once I take it out, what should I do um, with the ground? Should I put anything into it? Uh, I'm probably going to replant something there, but I was going to wait until the uh, fall to do that. Right. Um, but is there anything I should do with the ground since I, they said it was a root problem? Well, it's a root problem. Basically, when you dig it up, if you could go a couple inches beyond, you know, which is going to be a lot of work just to kind of yeah. see if it was a root problem because maybe this, you know, this was there any spots on the leaves or things like that? No. So it no, was there always was, pretty clear the, and everything. Yeah. And, and, but technically, like I said, uh, it, I would probably say 60% of the tree. And once again, it's only been in the ground nine years, so mm-hmm. it's not that big. Right. Uh, it's dead. I mean, I can bend the leaves. There's no green on, I mean, the twigs are no green on right. it whatsoever. Okay. So, uh, that's why I decided to go ahead and take it out. Yeah, no, you don't need to do anything to the ground. Just make oh, sure okay. when you plant something back in that space that after nine years, you know, I mean, for a root problem, right. that maybe it was so root-bound that it never moved out beyond the original root system, was able to survive for that long as a result yeah. of not having a well-established root system. So that okay. would be, you know, my th- my thought as opposed to because it doesn't sound like after nine years it wouldn't be too wet, it wouldn't be too this, it wouldn't be too that. Yeah. But uh, no, no don't it, do it, anything it, to the soil. Just when you put something new in, make sure the top of the root ball, about twenty percent right. of it, is above the surrounding ground. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you, sir. Sure, my pleasure. Okay. And Bye-bye. you know, anytime you install something, if you if it's in a pot. Make sure that you kind of loosen that root system, So, especially with woody plant material. Sometimes they've sat in nurseries for a couple of years, and they become super pot-bound. And then when you put them in the hole, you don't pull the root system apart, and then they, uh, they don't do so well. They just kind of spin around and don't put out new growth. Let's see if we can get another call in. Ray in Highland. Hi, Ray. I'm a Missourian at heart, even though I live in Illinois. Oh. <laughs> because I was born and raised there. I uh, ordered uh, 10 starts of uh, wild plum, and I wanted to get a little advice on what to do with them. I've already spaded them in the ground the 1st of March, and they're sprouting like crazy. I wasn't sure any of them would sprout, but they're sprouting. 
they're they're kind of an understory tree, aren't right. they? Yes, right. But they don't want to be understory where they're not going to get full, you know, as much sun as possible. So they. they oh, these uh, these I had to plant them in a in a yard that gets lots of sun. Great, perfect. Uh, now, how soon will those start to bloom after I planted them? They're just little tiny starts that I got from the the uh, conservation department down in Licking. You're probably looking at maybe five years. Oh, really? Yes. I don't know if I'll last that long. <laughs> no, it 80, takes a long time. I'm going to be 84 this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to take a long time. I mean, they have to be really well established, you know. If they flower when they're, you know, you may get one flower or something occasionally, but it's going to take several years before you're going to get enough flowers that you're actually going to go, whoa, they're in flower. Well, whoever, whoever inherits this place... I planted uh, them in kind of clusters in front of, in the front yard. Great. And uh, a couple in the backyard. Uh, should I space those out a little more later on? Uh, how far apart are they? Oh, probably a couple of feet apart each, each sprout. Uh, you probably don't have to worry about it. And now, of course, in the center of the cluster, you're not going to get any branches or anything else. You're going to get all the growth going out away from each other because they want to have full, you know, as much sun as possible. But other than that, if you if you want to dig them up and transplant them, you can. But uh, I would say if you're going to do that, I would do it, you know, while they're still relatively small. So maybe put five or seven feet in between each one or just leave them as is and whatever happens, happens. I saw saw them growing in really pretty close clusters in, a, in right. an old farmstead down in South Missouri, south of Houston, and uh, they seem to do pretty well. Right, they I do. I bought 10, 10 wild blackberry and put it in my garden box out in back. I'm going to turn it over and let uh, the blackberries feed me. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Well, I just wanted to get a little, a little advice on the on the uh, wild plum, but it, it is a disappointment that it won't bloom next year. <laughs> no. <laughs> if it does, I'll try it's to hang around until I'm 94. Yeah. If it does bloom when it's still relatively small, it can really stress a plant out and cause problems. But thanks, Ray. Mike Miller, K, NY's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, we're headed over to Becky's yard. Hi, Becky. Hi, Mike. Um, I You've mentioned before a nursery in the area, I believe in the area, that specializes in uh, natural uh, native plants, and I can't remember the name. Well, are we talking about, like, wildflowers? There's wildflowers. Yes, I'm thinking I've got a, a place that uh, has been regraded, and I'd like not to have to mow it. I'd like just to put wildflowers in there and... Hopefully, let them take care of the place. <laughs> well, there's Missouri Wildflower Nursery, which is down towards Columbia, Jefferson City, in that area. They specialize in that. Okay, Missouri Wildflower Nursery. Right, but a lot okay, of okay. Lo- thanks. I'll try them. Yeah, a lot of local nurseries will have a lot of the wildflowers, you know, in their let's say stock. Uh huh. So, but this one specializes specifically in you know in Missouri wildflowers. Okay, thank you very much. Certainly, my pleasure. And now let's go to Marcia, and she lives in Hazelwood. Good morning. I have a 30-year-old oak tree in my front yard. It's um, The third of its height is probably above our second-story house, so Mm -hmm. it's a a healthy, mature tree. 
But we've noticed galls over the last couple of years. They drop on the ground. They'll bring some of the branches down with it. Right. And I'm wondering, do the galls, will the galls compromise the health of the tree? And is there any way to treat for them to be eliminated? Uh, basically, elimination could be a long, involved process. You could have a tree service come out and see if they can inject it, you know, but what those galls are from is from a, a type of wasp, not the classic wasp. The female lays uh, eggs, and when the eggs hatch, they bore into the twig, and they cause that bloating to, you know, and they sort of live in there to protect themselves while they're in the immature wasp stage. So basically, it's mainly all the red oaks have this problem, and I mean, there's some huge ones. In general, it's more aesthetic than it is anything. But have a tree service come out and see about injections because then that what they do is inject, then it goes up to the top or wherever, out to the branches. And then when any of these, let's say, wasp babies, when they hatch, then start to bore in, that's supposed to kill them. But I don't, you know, to be honest with you, it's probably very effective, but uh, nobody's ever called back in and said it through a testimony. It's not going to get rid of the existing ones, let's put it that way. Well, will the galls compromise the tree? Will the tree just decline in health? Uh, generally not. I mean, the only time it becomes problematic is sometimes they, you know, they will lay gall, you know, eggs on top of the galls, and you get some galls that get the, you know, like the size of a tennis balls or even a little bit bigger than that. Then that causes potentially cracking the branches. But ge- overall, it's not, you know, that much of a problem. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go over to Vern's yard. Hi, Vern. Yes, Mike. Thank you. Uh, I just have a non-plant question. Uh, I seem to be collecting these uh, plastic uh, garden sprayers of hand pump. Where do we buy parts for that thing? I can't find where I can replace just uh, the pumps or any of the washers and rubber boots and such. Is there such a place one can go to. I've searched quite a bit on the Internet. Yeah, how about, uh, do you know what company that actually made the the sprayer that you're talking about? I I don't know the name, uh, have the names. Okay. Uh, I would maybe try Ace Hardware. They seem to have a lot of, you know, potentially, you know, something like that. But for the most part, my guess is they're not going to have those kind of parts available any place. No, they don't. They, yeah, they, no they place don't. is going to. So you're probably going to have to just buy a new one. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a collection of them. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit of a heartache. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just not, you know, let's say financially rewarding for them to have the parts. But, anyway, good luck, Vern. And now let's go over to Karen's yard. Hi, Karen. Hello. Hi. I have a burning bush that a... Another bush is growing in the middle of it, and it has white flowers. It's gotten kind of tall now. I haven't been able to get out. But it, there's also a around the bush that has the flowers, it has a spider web that is really taken over and actually killed that branch. Okay, I want to cut them, but when I cut them, I want to put some kind of paint so they won't grow back. Can you tell me what kind of paint? You're basically going to use Roundup for killing woody plants. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, it'll say poison ivy woody plant killer. So it has to be specifically that. As soon as you make the cut, just take a paintbrush and paint it right onto that open wound. 
Yes, I understand. Also, I have 13 Stellas that uh, I want to kill the weeds that are growing in the middle of them. I thought about using Roundup, but does a Roundup affect the Stellas? Yeah, absolutely. Roundup will in, you know impact any kind of plant material. So what kind okay. of weeds are these? Are these grassy weeds or are they broadleaf weeds? Broadleaf. Oh. So, I mean, you got you got kind of a tough spot then. Yes, I do. Uh, what you're going to have to do is just be very patient. You could use Roundup, regular Roundup, if you wanted to. And rather than using a sprayer, you're just going to have to paint it directly onto the weeds. Oh, I understand. Okay. And then I want to put compost on there. Will the compost help uh, keep the weeds away? No. <laughs> okay. I, I did not think so. Yeah. Compost, mulch, none of that. Weed preventive, they're not, basically. It's There's nothing of, I can do. No. <laughs> okay. I appreciate your help. Thank yeah. you very much. So in other words, get it under control and just, you know, don't let it get too outrageous before you try to get the next application of control, whether it's hand digging or an herbicide. I understand. Great. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Uh, Bye. And now let's go over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Good morning. Hi. Hi. I have a question with my hostas. Last year, um, the deer started eating them after they came up. They ate all the foliage. It never came back. Now, this year, the, the foliage has come up. It's mm-hmm. only about three inches tall right. and not looking very healthy. Is that because they ate them off last year? Probably not. It's probably still just, you know, kind of early in the season more so than anything else would be my guess. Okay. So, okay. so pasta has a huge you know, expansive root system. So the fact that deer ate it wasn't really all that good, but that's usually not going to send them downhill. So maybe, you know, to prevent it, try, I don't know, obviously they're I in the... I tried the Bonide product, and that didn't seem to yeah, what, what keep I them away. Say, so. so they're going to be in the shade. Maybe try hanging some bars of Irish spring soap around them. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. I'll try that. And then I have a question. Last year on peonies, they were old established plants, divided them and planted them. They've come up. The foliage is about 12 inches tall. Mm-hmm. Looks healthy. Uh, some of them have nice big buds that are going to open and bloom. Some of them have a very small, tiny bud that looks like it's not going to do anything. Should I take those buds off this year? Will it make the plant stronger? Uh, would, I mean, anything that's been recently, let's say, divided, transplanted, or anything, it does help to let them have a full year of rest without flowers. But uh, you don't have to do that, but uh, you could just let them go. And, uh, but ideally, you would cut them off. Okay, if you have a peony that grows foliage every year, has these little tiny buds that never blooms, are they planted too deep? Probably it is. Should just raise them up in the fall and and not have them as deep and see if that helps. Exactly. So anyway, okay. the eyes one okay. or one inch below the surface. On the right, peonies. right, right. Okay. I have just one more question. Well, I have wild raspberries that have come up in my flower beds. And of course, the berries really small. Is there any way to increase the size of that with fertilizer? No. No, okay, it's a genetic thing. So I mean, it's just that that particular variety is just going to produce fruits that big. Okay, and that I forgot one more on my peonies. Do, is it beneficial to fertilize them? Oh, absolutely. And what, what, and when? Just uh, basically early in the spring, as soon as you start to see the foliage come up, just an all-purpose uh, fertilizer for you know for 
herbaceous perennial type plants. Okay, so it's too late for this year. Yeah. Okay, thanks so much. Sure. Bye. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, just a quickie. To show you how times are changing, I'm starting to see some face masks as litter on the ground. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought there would be so many that you know, people just got to throw them out the window or whatever. Let's go over to Rich's yard. Hi, Rich. Morning, Mike. How Hi. are you? Very good. Um, Mike, I'm going to be celebrating my 38th wedding anniversary next week. Whoa. And when I went and looked online for a gift for my wife, they said um, an exotic, something exotic, and they mentioned exotic plant, which is a bleeding heart. Do you know where I can buy a bleeding heart plant? And if I can buy one, where does it go in my garden? Basically, it's a shade plant, and any place that has kind of wildflower-type things, they should have them. Is there any special thing I need to do once I put it in the ground? No, just uh, make sure that the soil's organic, is, you know, is well-drained, and because uh, it doesn't want to grow in, let's say, wet soils. Okay. But they're All tough. Right. They're durable. They, they have great texture, and, um, I mean, they're spring bloomers only. Yeah, I know, but I, you know, it, it it'll be for next year as well. Right, so. exactly. And then year, and it's a perennial, so year after year after year. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Certainly. And now let's go over to Bill's yard in O'Fallon. Hi, Bill. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Great show. Um, a couple of days ago, I got a little bit um, lazy, and I left. My uh, my carrying sack for seeds and tools and things like that that I carried with me, I left it outside overnight, and guess what? It rained on it. Ooh. And so, and I had some fairly expensive seeds in there from some, like, some heirlooms and some things I had to order in. They were all seeds, no bulbs, anything like that. Right. And every packet got wet. Uh, am I ruined? Not necessarily. I would say just you know lay them out so they can dry, and then if you're really concerned with it, you can look in the pack and actually see if they're starting to sprout. But just a little moisture is not necessarily going to cause the seeds to germinate. Okay, uh, second question. Uh, we had the promise of frost last night. Right. So I uh, put some straw over about 200 hills of potatoes, took a little bit. And it still didn't cover it. And somebody came over with a black tarp, with a, with a plastic black tarp, covered the whole thing nicely. We did that, pulled it off this morning. We seemed to survive. What I want to know is, what is the best way to use that straw now that I've got it over there? Straw has no use, to be honest with you. It's a, kind of a waste. So, yeah, I mean, you could use it, just spread it around, leave it around your potatoes. But uh, other than that, there's not too much to do with it. So it, so once I, I've got one more tilling in which I'm going to pull dirt up around the plants. And so I, my question would be, would it be good to put it back in the middle between rows? You could do that. Okay. Yeah, that would be about be the only thing then. Right. Hey, you're doing good, and hang in there. <laughs> oh, great. Well, thank you. Oh, hey, hey, what about 37 degrees Sunday night? No problem. Okay. I mean, right. it's got to get below 32 before it's going to be damaging to plant material. So uh, don't worry too much about it. All right. I'm going to stand in front of those hills of potatoes and said, Mike said, <laughs> and we'll go from there. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks.
Sorry, Mike. Thanks, Ryan. Sure. And sorry, Dolores, in the end, we're not going to be able to get to you uh, this week, but I think the Garden Hotline should be around next week. So everybody just take it easy. I mean, what a spectacular day after yesterday's morning with all that crazy rain and the cold and everything else. And then this morning with, I mean, there was frost. You know, I saw it. It wasn't on the ground in the city of St. Louis, but it was on windshields and things like that. So just enjoy and enjoy the outdoors. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.